was ringing in my mind. My life is in you. My strength is in you. My hope is in you. It's in you. My life is in you. I was about to sing that, but I, and I noticed that there are a few glasses around. And I don't want anything breaking. You know, we need to, we need to be mindful of these things. We need to play to our strengths. You know, it's about playing to your strengths. So I can read the words, but when it comes to the singing, I mean, I don't want things like this to start to, to break or crack. And there are too many glazing around. Praise the Lord. Oh, we thank God for this morning. We thank God because it's always a privilege and always a honor to be able to share with God's people. And I would first off say greetings from Apostle and Reverend Omar. They are with our brothers and our sisters in Dublin. And I'm sure we've been lifting them up in prayers. Because even though there was a storm, um, there was a storm that was going to prevent everything that had been planned. But when there's a storm, there needs to be calmness as well. You know, some things happen so easy. At times we don't know when, it's, when God, you know, you know, there are some situations that arise. And when those situations arise, we can take it for granted. But in the midst of that, although their initial flight was cancelled because they had purpose, they could have turned back. They could have just said, let's go back home. You know, we do that most of the time as individuals. We give up. But they persisted and they got there regardless in terms of the timing. And God is doing what he ordained for them to do at this time. So we give God praise for that. Please carry on lifting them up in prayers all the time. It is important. Well, we thank God for, someone said, they don't know why all the fiercest storms are kind of like named after female names. I don't know where they came up with that, but it's, they said all the ones that they name in, after female seems to be very, says because women are powerful. Praise the Lord. I mean, I, I was... Uh, I, I was listening on the way in. I was listening. Someone was talking about, um, I think there was all this debate about childbirth targets, about cesarean or no cesarean or whatever. Now, this, this is not the sermon, by the way. This is, just, this is just me being me, you know. And um, someone remembered and said, look, childbirth is not a joke. And then it's okay for men to say that, but we are always spectators. For a woman to go through that, wow. Praise the Lord. So, it's when you talk about power. And what's the relevance here? What's the relevance about power? Apostle has been teaching us about what? Power. He says, all power belongs to God. That's the theme, the overarching theme. And last week he talked about operating. Operating in. Uh, hold on. Okay. Apostle won't look at this. I'll just, I won't say anything. I'll say, what was last week's sermon? Operating in, in power of God. Okay. And he said that was under the theme of operating, what? Entrance. Entrance to the power. Okay, well, we're all getting there slowly but surely. Praise the Lord. So he was teaching us last week about the bigger theme of all power belongs to God. That's the theme that we've been studying. And this is the month of power. You know that, don't you? 
This is the month of power. And last week specifically touched on operating the power of God. And the first scripture he used, or he referred to, alluded to was how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and he went about doing good. And we were implored or encouraged to operate and to align ourselves with the things that God has in store for us. This morning, I would like to build on that theme in the way I can. In effect, I'll build on the theme by talking about a theme saying, prayer unlocks God's power. Prayer unlocks God's power. Or you could theme it, unlocking God's power through prayer. Unlocking God's power through prayer. Now, for those who know from time to time what I want to share, and I've got my eyes on the clock, so don't sleep off on me. Praise the Lord. Don't kind of like go away and then come back and say he will still be here when, I'm preaching, when, I'm, when I've gone and come back. So, praise the Lord. Are we, are we all here? Because at times the face mask hides a lot of things. The combination of face mask and glasses kind of like... And the darker the glasses, the more we don't know what's going on in there. As looking up one of the things we, we take for granted, we say, if I ask people what's prayer, a lot of people would kind of like pause a bit. Because we take it for granted. But one of the things I picked up on in terms of setting the tone for what we're discussing this morning is that prayer is a devout petition to God. Now, some dictionaries we put in there, in brackets, or not in brackets, I've put it in brackets, or an object of worship. Now, now, be mindful, and we're, we're going somewhere here. A spiritual communication with God, that's prayer. As in supplication, as in thanksgiving, as in adoration, as in confession, or an act or practice of praying to God. That's prayer, an act of praying, an act of asking, communication. So how do we do this in a way that unlocks God's power? That's the essence of what I want to take us into a bit this morning. How do we do it? How do we communicate in a way with God that unlocks His power? What should we do? In what ways can we do it? Because if we want to operate in God's power, we sure need to know how to unlock the power. One of the things that Apostle was teaching us is about walking in the, in the way of the Lord. That, that unlocks God's power because in a way, it's how we, how we move. How we, what we allow to feed our minds with. Where we place ourselves as individuals. It's all part of it. But I want to use some examples this morning of a few characters in Scripture. And one of the individuals I'll start off with, I don't know how far we'll get, because when my time is up, I'll just sort of like stop. There was this young man. The Bible talks about him in the book of Second Kings, chapter 19. The Bible says he was 25 years old. 
when he became king. And that he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. So, let me step back a bit. How many of us here are more than 25? Quite a number of hands going up. How many of us here are 25? So this man was 25 years old when he became king. Wow. And the Bible goes on to talk about the fact that he reigned for 29 years. But the next verse in verse 3 of Second Kings chapter, I think that's 18 I'm reading possibly at the moment. says he did what was right in the eyes of God just as his father David had done. Now a lot of us would recognize straight away that David, this young man, was certainly not Solomon that we're talking about here. But yet he was called the son of David. says he removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses had made. Now note that. That bronze snake was the snake, was a bronze image, an object that was in the wilderness when the children of Israel rebelled and snakes were sent in. And God said at the time that Moses should make a bronze snake and put it on a pole, that anyone that looks onto that will be saved and they will be healed. But the children of Israel carried this for a long time and it became an object of worship turning the eyes of men away from the provider of the power into the object. So he broke it down because it had become an object of worship. It had become an idol. Even though the need for the, the original intention was positive, God intended it for a specific purpose. It had become an idol. Now, it's important as well in our lives what we could easily turn into become high idols. Things that God has given to us, we begin to worship it. We begin to, it begins to possess us rather than us owning it. Some of us possess our cars. God help anyone push that door and it's too hard. Some you would think someone else, that, I mean, because you shut the door, okay, the individual didn't know. They thought it was their own car that needs a lot of force. I mean, they, you know, yours doesn't, but they assumed it was their own. And they, put, they were not trying to damage it, but the shout and the scream that comes after it, wow. Forgetting that, with the exception these days of electric vehicles, um, um, cars are depreciating assets. Now, let's not go there. You, you know what I'm talking about. It's a depreciating asset. In fact, if you buy a brand new car, the minute you drive it off the driveway, you lose 20% of its value in this country. Someone's surprised about that. Because if you buy a brand new car, you pay VAT. The minute you drive it off, you lose 20% of its value. Oh, okay. Some people didn't know that. It's all right. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with buying a new car. Please don't get me wrong. I'm only saying it's a depreciating asset. So when people 
once in a while do things. I'm not also condoning you running into other people's car or banging or dancing it. But do it. I mean, if that happens, unfortunately, find a means of calming yourself down and don't get high blood pressure over it. Don't let it become an idol. That's what I'm saying. That's the theme. That's the message I'm saying. Please note that. Don't let the things that we own become an idol. That they begin to possess us. So the Bible says, This man who I'm yet to name, Hezekiah, trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was none like him among the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord that God has given to Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. So I want us to look briefly into how this individual, I mean, he's got, when we talk about introducing characters and individuals, you, you know that when we want to listen to, maybe in our professional circles, when, you, when there's a, uh, a talk going on, you go through the profile of the individual you want to, you, you're going to be listening to. They tell you their, what they have attained. They have done the, they had BSc, 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 MSc, 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 PhD in three, four, five. And then you know they've become an authority, isn't it? And you want to listen to that professor who had been a professor for the last 40 years. There's something about that professor of law, professor of economic, whatever. You know that they know their stuff. That's their, that's where they're coming from. I read this so that we'll begin to have an understanding of this man called Ezekiah, the king, who was merely 25, but the way he, so a resume. So if this man does something, there's a recipe here about him unlocking God's power. I hope we can lean on something here. We can learn that he was successful. He had done a lot. God was with him. He was successful because God was with him. And anything he laid his hands upon to do, that's what the Bible is saying here. It says he was successful in whatever he undertook. That means anything he laid his hands upon, he, was, he had success. But the Bible also tells us that in chapter 19, because he rebelled against the king of Assyria, so in chapter 19, Of Second Kings, he received a message from the king of Assyria that said, "Hey, I'm coming for you. I am coming for you. You are done. In fact, if I'm correct, it would have been round about when he was still maybe about 30 years old. So this young man and this, I mean, kind of like, so he, was, he had every right to be." Frightened, it was similar to armies of nations amassing against. Can you imagine a force of about 200,000 amassing against someone who has 1,000 soldiers? You know what, what it's like. They're taking them over, simple. So that's the way the Assyrians were. That's, and they had to, they told him in advance, We are coming for you. And prepare yourself to receive us, to become our slaves effectively. So when King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went to the temple of the Lord. He sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and the leading priests, all wearing sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, or Amos as the case might be. 
They told him, this is what Ezekiah says. This day is the day of distress and rebuke and disgrace. As when children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the field commander, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God. Does this sound like someone you know? Does it sound like someone you know? I said something about Hezekiah being the son of David. Can you remember what David said when he faced Goliath? When he heard all the noise of Goliath, he said, You come against us. How dare you, Goliath, come against the, God, the, the armies of the living God? We're not servants of Saul. We're servants of the living God. So effectively, here, Hezekiah is... Uh, maybe he had been told the story or maybe he had, he had the experiential knowledge of what God was talking about here. He said, look, how can, how can this Assyrian ridicule the living God? And that maybe God will rebuke him for the words that our Lord has heard. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. So at this point, Hezekiah, being the sort of man he was, sent word to the prophets to say, prophets, we have a problem here. The problem that we have, prophet of God, man of God, listen to what this man, the field commander, said. We have a big problem. But you pray, man of God. Now watch this. A number of us still do that, don't we? A number of us, which is what Apostle, one of the things Apostle was talking about last week about anointing. And a number of us thinking that we have a different anointing to that which the man of God has. He explained it clearly and talked about grace. There's a difference between the grace and anointing. We all have the same measure of anointing. No individual who has come to the Lord has one anointing greater than the other because the anointing is a person of the Holy Spirit. If you have received the person of the Holy Spirit, you have received the anointing, you have received the Father, the grace differs. And our ability to move in that grace differs. Some of us are talkers. Praise the Lord. I can stay here and I can talk for the next one and a half hours. Others might come here and they cannot spend more than five minutes. I would always have something to say. Praise the Lord. It's a, it's a gift and it's a grace. Now, I need to know how to manage that as well because you can do it in a way that becomes a problem. There are people who talk and the things that they talk after, I mean, you, you probably, you know, so you have to manage, and at times as well, I need to recognize that when I'm doing the talking too much and people are going this, you have said enough, they have heard. It's now making them sleep. It's becoming music, and it's, you know, kind of like. So you need to be mindful of, of that as well. But we're talking about grace here. We're talking about grace. So, of course, he sent this message to Isaiah, and Isaiah sent a message back to him. And the message he sent back is, look, don't worry about this thing because God has intervened. God would intervene and he, he, gave him, he gave him all that message. And I'm not going to read through all of that, but I'm going to say, please go back home and read it all the way through from, from that where Isaiah sent a response back. But I want us to turn very, very quickly to verse 9. I'll just read that. Actually, yeah, I'll take 9. Now, Shenak. Shenak, hey, hey, Jesus. Is it Shenakarib? Received a report that Tikaka, 
the king of Cush, was marching out to fight against him. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word, said to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God, small letter, G-O-D, you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem would not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? The gods of Gozan, Haran, Respa, and the people of Eden who were in Tel Asa. Where is the king of Amas or the king of Apad? Where are the kings of Lyon, of Shenaphrim, of Hena, of Iva? So in effect here, despite what Isaiah the prophet had said, the message he has sent is, look, don't worry. Shenachrib will receive a message. He will go back. Now, Ezekiah was probably comforted and said, I've heard. The man of God has interceded. God has said this. But the very next verse, he received a further threat saying, don't be deceived, Ezekiah. It is God that asked me to destroy. God has called me to destroy and I'm going to rule. And God is not going to save you. In fact, at that point, he used the word small letter God. Let's focus on this. From verse 14, Ezekiah received the letter from the messengers and he did what? He read it. Ezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Ezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear the open the eyes. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words of Shenachrib. Listen to the words Shenachrib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are God. Now, I want us to focus very quickly on what were the attributes, what were the key characteristics of God that Hezekiah focused on when he prayed. He had learned that it was not a case of asking someone else to do the prayers. Initially, he sent a message to Isaiah. But when Isaiah said, look, Seneca will hear a message, don't worry. Now he understood he had come to the place where Apostle Williams has been asking us to come to as individuals, where we know that we can unlock God's hands through our prayers. So many of us are still waiting for apostles to lay hands on you when you need to be laying hands on others. Have I got news for you? 
So many of us are still waiting. We have been under him for almost 32 years. And we are still waiting for apostle to be the individual, the person who through we, when are we going to start to manifest? And before you start saying, I've not been here for 30 years, I've only been here one year. When are you going to start to manifest? When are you beginning, to, when will you begin to understand that you can unlock God's hands through your prayer? What have we been taught over the years that should make a difference? That's the lesson when I said earlier on, let's learn from Ezekiah here. He heard the first thing he did, he sent a message to the man of God. The man of God, God has heard you. God, Shanakrib will hear. But this time he got the, he didn't send anymore. He did what? He laid the letter before the Lord. He spread it in front of the temple. And what were the things that he said? Let's note these characteristics of God. First, he acknowledged that God is God Almighty. Because he opened up the prayer by saying, Lord God of Israel, you are enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. Lord, you are God. There is none like you. Jesus put it this way. He said, when you go to the Father to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. See, for so many people, I've said this a number of times, so many people still see themselves and they seek salvation, but they've not taken their eyes away from Jesus on the cross. Now, listen carefully. Jesus is no longer on the cross. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I. If your eyes are focused simply and stay on the cross, you see a helpless man who could not help himself. But if your eyes are focused on Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession, you know he's got the ears of the Father. You know he's got the ears of the Father. The cross is the point of salvation. The cross is the point of salvation. But post-salvation, Jesus is seated next to... So when you call, he's making intercession on your behalf. He's not on the cross looking helpless and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He rose from the grave. That's why... Apostle Paul put it this way, that eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you might know the hope to which God has called you and the power that lives within you. The power that lives within us. We're dynamite. We're waiting. I always say this again. I, I say, take a matchstick. A matchstick, that little tiny matchstick put in the right conditions can burn down the palace, of the, the, the houses of parliament. Match, one matchstick, regardless of how the sort of edif it puts in the right conditions and align it to God is waiting for you and I to happen. Praise the Lord. God is waiting on us. So, first off, characteristics, he recognized God is enthroned and God is almighty. And the next thing says, You made heaven and earth. 
So God, you are the creator. You created heaven and earth. You created everything. You created Shenakrib. You created the Assyrian king. You created us. Lord, this whole thing is in your hand. You know the song that goes, you've got the whole world in your hands? He's got the whole world in his hands. You know, we used to sing it in Sunday school. He's got the whole... Did I say something about glass? I don't want it to break. Praise the Lord. Then the next thing about the attributes or characteristics of God that he understood was, he says, give ear, Lord, and hear. So he says, God, you have ears. You can hear. You're not deaf to our calls. In fact, the Bible says, whilst we're yet speaking, he hears us. Whilst we're yet speaking, he hears us. So if you know that whilst you're yet speaking, whilst you're yet thinking, God is hearing you. God wants to do for you much more than you can ever hope to ask or think. We need to recognize that. Then the next thing he said, Lord, open your eyes, Lord, and see. Because he says, God, you have eyes. You can see. You can see. He recognizes that God can see what he's going through, what the situation is. God is He's, he can observe. He can see what's going, going on. And it says, see, listen to the words Shenakrib has sent to ridicule the living God. Now it says, God, this is not about me. This is about you, Lord. Shenakrib is saying that the gods of the other nations cannot save them. Surely, God, he's got, the wrong, he's got it wrong this time. He had confidence in God as a result of recognizing that God is a creator then the next thing and this is sometimes where we fall short verse 17 Ezekiah said it is true Lord that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands they have thrown their gods into fire and destroyed them for they were not gods, but wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Ezekiah did not deny the reality of what was going on. Some people would have headache. You ask, you have headache. They say, no, my enemies have headache. Keep deceiving yourself. Praise the Lord. Keep deceiving yourself. Uh, uh, What's going on? Oh, my enemies have body ache. All right. We pick up some slangs that when we think about it deeply, you recognize actually it's just Christian slang that doesn't mean anything, doesn't go anywhere. And those things we need to get rid of because you need to recognize the reality. One of the things he said is, look, it's true, actually. God... They've destroyed all the gods of the nations. If indeed, they're powerful. And then he said in verse 19, Now, Lord our God. I mean, of course, he said, they, they were, the, the gods were only wood. He says, Now, our Lord, deliver us from, the hands, from his hands so that the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are God. God, this is not about me. This is about you. Those sort of key words of prayer unlocks God's power. 
So what was the recipe? What were the things that made Ezekiah successful? And we know what immediately happened here. Because the Bible says in verse 20, Ezekiah prayed in the temple. Isaiah was somewhere else. And God did not only hear, God sent a message to Hezekiah through the prophet. He said, this is what the Lord God says, I have heard your prayer, Hezekiah. You are no longer sending to Isaiah, the son of Amos, to get this thing done. I have heard your cry. See, the sort of way and the sort of place that we should be in at this moment, children of God, is that you'll come to church because you have prayed, because of something you're going through. An apostle will come in as a prophet of God and say, God has heard your cry because this morning, this and this and this is what you prayed and God has answered your prayer. Rather than, apostle, please lay hands on me. I want to pray. I want to be healed. It should be the message answer because that's where we catapult and we enable him to enter into a bigger height because we draw we draw, we call, we draw. When we have a relationship with God, that means that we have, we have sent the message. If we need the assurance, it wouldn't just be him praying and, and, and he would be confirming that this morning, this was your prayer. And God has said for me to tell you that he has said, this is the solution. I mean, church. If that were to happen on a continuous basis, can we imagine what, I mean, they, I'm, I'm talk, we will be on, is it, do they call it cloud nine? I'm not saying it doesn't happen, I'm saying it doesn't happen enough. Because we're not drawing on that enough. We're not drawing on it enough. The prayer that unlocks God's power is a prayer that has confidence in God. And we need to take, is it the bull by the horn? Or is it the horn by the bull? Which one is it? If you take the horn by the bull, you might be the one who is tossed up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There are some situations that we go through. We do, some of us like pity party. You know, you know what a pity party is? Oh, poor hold me. Oh, if you know what I'm going through. Ah! If you know what I'm going through. Ah! You know it. Call on him. Such that when you see me, I would not be saying to you, apostle would not be saying to you, any man of God would not be saying to you, you won't have to tell them what you are going through because you'll be hearing confirmation that what you have asked the Lord for, God has heard. And that would encourage you as well. That would empower you as well. That's a prayer that unlocks God's power. And there's a recipe here, there's a formula. And that's the formula that we're talking about, looking at what Ezekiah did. We see something similar when Blind Bartimaeus in the book of Mark chapter 10 shouted when he heard Jesus was passing by. He said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They said, Shh, God, keep quiet. Didn't come for you. Ah, he said, no, he did. He shouted louder. I said, okay, okay, okay. Jesus said, call it, he said, cheer up. He called it thee. He said, what should I do? He said, that I may see. And immediately, actually, if you look, look into that book of Mark chapter 10, the minute he said, they said, cheer up, he called it thee. 
He took away his cloak of beggar's clothes, the beggar's clothing. He threw it away and he started walking because he was walking in faith. He knew he was getting his sight because he called on Jesus, the son of David. Why son of David? Son of covenant. He recognized that Jesus was a covenant coming at that time and he tapped in. He had an understanding. Do we understand who we are in Christ Jesus? We need to. That's the sort of prayer that unlocks Jesus was given and uh, talking about the, 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 the woman, the widow, in the book of Luke chapter 18, who kept on going and meeting that judge continuously, 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 on a daily basis, pleading and co- said, ah. the judge quickly answered, because if we're persistent, Apostle has always taught us that don't pick too many things. Just, you might have 20 prayer requests. Prioritize the prayer request. Know the one that is sitting on top. You, you know we, we, we can make priority lists. Someone says, oh, I have so many needs. Honestly speaking, if you think through those, that list, you would know which one is the kingpin. That's the word I would use. The one that keeps you awake. All the others are jara problems. They are additional problems. They're the one that, and face that and tackle it. Apostle has taught us this a number of times. Face and do it consistent. Don't let go. Don't get distracted because when you get distracted, you focus on the distraction and it becomes your main attraction. That's what happened when Peter was walking on the sea. He kept his eyes on Jesus. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on the sea. The minute he took his eyes off Jesus and started to look at the waves, he started to sink. That's what happens to us. Then other things were elementary things will start to cloud and to start to disturb because we've taken our eyes off Jesus. Focus on the things that is causing the pain. I'm not going to promise you that you start praying today, you'll get the answer tomorrow. Neither am I going to say that you start praying today, you will not get the answer before you leave this auditorium. Because God walks in miraculous ways. But what he has called us to do is never to give up. There was one songwriter that says, don't give up, never give up. When temptation, when issues knock at the door, let faith answer the door. Your Christ is a winner, and a winner is never a loser. It's not in falling down. It's your ability to get up. When a child learns to walk, those first few days, they fall. We all celebrate the fact that they took the first two steps. Nobody remembers to talk about the father. After the first two steps, the child fell. They wouldn't say that because we're focusing on the success. And in fact, those who became adults as well, we still fall from time to time. Even when nothing is chasing us, we trip and fall. Praise the Lord. And when you fall, you don't stay down. But please don't fall after certain ages because it could create other breaks. That would need special prayer as well. Our God is an awesome God. So this morning I want us to remember that God answers prayers. Our God is the only God. He can see, he can hear. He's a creator. He's awesome. When we pray, it's an act of faith. This week we learned from the book of James. Reading from verse, chapter 5, verse 13. It says, Is anyone among you in trouble? 
let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith would make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The King James says, The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Now this is where a number of us start to fall. It says, The enemy tries to remind you that you, sinful man like you, you lied yesterday. How can you call yourself righteous? Keep quiet! Now, if you are the one who has been lying like that, you now need to know what you need to do separately. Because you, to stand before God, be like Ezekiah, cut down the Asherah poles, cut down this, walk, after, walk with the Lord, ensure that your heart is clean, ensure that you let go. When people hurt you, find a reason for them for hurting you. Find an excuse. I love, I love that aspect. Just find, I mean, when I was growing up, um, I mean, I was fortunate. I, I had parents who never swore in any shape or form, never used to any form of abuse. The worst thing I ever heard my father say when a car was driving recklessly, he would say, is he drunk? That's the worst I've ever heard him say. Now, if I consider it, is he drunk? Actually, he, he was already given a... This man must be drunk. That's why he's doing this. So he's giving the excuse and the reason to misbehave. So find a reason for people to misbehave around you. Allow them to misbehave without taking it to, to the point where it begins to upset you. In fact, some people do things and they've forgotten about you and you're still lying awake in the night. Not being able to sleep over something that someone did or said that they didn't even realize they had done and you allow that to keep you awake and you are boiling and you want to cry out to the Lord concerning your situation. Actually, you are the one creating the problems. So to unlock God's power, we need to change our attitude. So James said, the availeth, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. And just in case you think this is impossible, he says, Elijah was a human being like you. But he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Can I invite us to rise this morning? I see a lot of people still want to remain seated. I was trying to make it short today. And people still want to stay on a bit. Okay, I've not 